0: It's all coaches on this episode of the Maryland Baseball Network Podcast. First, we sit down and talk with Rob Vaughn, the new head coach of the Maryland Terrapins, and then a chat with new hitting coach Matt Swope. Here we go. This is the Maryland Baseball Network Podcast. Here's your host, Justin Galanti. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 43 of the Maryland Baseball Network podcast. Justin Galanti with you and we are just one day before Thanksgiving so everyone home for the holidays. We hope that you are enjoying your time with your family. I guess if you're listening to this the day before or on Thanksgiving you might not be enjoying your time with your family. You might be a taking a break to listen to this but regardless we appreciate the listening and this is going to be a very fun and interesting episode. First we talk with Rob Vaughn who had some very interesting stories to tell us as he has now become the youngest head coach in the Power Five taking over this Maryland Terrapins team that's made the NCAA tournament three out of four years. Later we get to a conversation with Maryland hitting coach Matt Swope who is just Born and bred in Bleeds, Maryland, red, yellow, I guess red, gold, black, and white, or whatever colors uh, are on the state flag and all the, all the uniforms, but really interesting to talk with those two, so first let's get to our chat with head coach Rob Vaughn. Now joined by Maryland Head Coach Rob Vaughn on the Maryland Baseball Network podcast. Coach, thanks so much for joining us.
1: Hey, absolutely, man. It's a pleasure.
0: So I asked you this during the Fall World Series. I'm going to ask you again now. It is November 22nd. Has that sunk in yet? Does it still sound pretty cool every time someone says it? Head Coach Rob Vaughn.
1: Yeah, man. It's, it's still pretty surreal, I'll tell you. I, and and I think, I think a huge part of that is, is the staff that I have. You know, I... I feel like I'm one one of three or one of four assistant coaches. I feel like we all just kind of pull in together and are, are all in this thing together. So, you know, I know it'll come time to write a lineup card and do all that stuff here in about two months, and I think that's one it will really set in. But, but man, I'm loving every second of it.
0: I want to go back to the summer and the moment you got the job, the moment you found out. Uh, what were your first thoughts and what was that like for you?
1: Man, it was, it was such a wide range of emotions, man. Like, you know, obviously working with – with a guy that I respect and love as much as John Chef, and the the thought of him leaving and the thought of us potentially not working together was something that was just bizarre you know like really my entire coaching career has been alongside him in some capacity so it was it was, it was a really weird dichotomy of a little bit of you know what do I do now and then and then just sheer excitement too man I tell you it's uh it's something that I've dreamed of since I started coaching. It's something that I always wanted to do. Um, and the fact that, that I'm getting to do it at a place like the University of Maryland is just, just incredible. You know, that that's kind of where I get to break into this thing. So, so man, it's, it's, it's pretty awesome. It's pretty surreal. And, and it's something that I definitely, definitely didn't and don't take lightly.
0: What were the first words that came out of your wife's mouth when you told her?
1: Well, she couldn't even get words out as much. I, I remember walking into my office right after meeting with kevin anderson and and him kind of you know sitting down and basically telling me you're our guy and and i called her and she asked me she goes well how did everything go and i said well i said babe they just offered me the job and it was just like instant tears (laughs) you know she was she was so excited it's just been it's been really neat you know that a girl from small town kansas who had never really been too far away from home you know comes halfway across the country in a place very different than she is now and and is made at home you know and our our son being born here the friendships we have here both through the university and you know through our church and through our community here in annapolis and it's it's just been it's just been really really awesome to see
0: so you're from texas she's from kansas uh those are big barbecue places have you adopted maryland crab cakes yet or are are you still barbecue
1: I mean, I'm still, I don't think I'll ever get away from my barbecue, but I enjoy a good crab cake. I, I tell people that all the time. I said, you come up here, I said, you got the best seafood in the world, you got to come up here and, and get you a crab cake.
0: So, your father is, is someone who's around the program a lot. Last year he came to the NCAA tournament in Winston-Salem. I have to imagine that was a very special moment for you when you when you told him that you were taking over here.
1: Oh, it was It was incredible. And, you know, my dad's my hero. I tell everybody that in and, and, and the way that he provided for our family and the sacrifices he made for, for our family over the years um, is, is just something that's nothing short of inspiring, you know. And, and any time I think I have it rough, anytime I think that, you know, that, I, that, that, that things are hard, I just look to him and what he's done, you know. And he gave me my passion for baseball. He, he played baseball at Texas A&M. He was an All-American um, in junior college before going to Texas A&M, and man, it's just it's such a special thing. Like after every game, him and I are on the on the phone on the way home, whether he's here, whether he listened to it, you know, through you guys, and we're breaking down who hit where, what you know, who did what, and, and how we're going to do it better tomorrow. So so man, he he truly is one of my absolute best friends, and it was it was so neat getting to share that with him.
0: And one person that is. I don't know. In my mind, becoming one of the faces of Maryland baseball. You mentioned him. Is your son Wyatt? Uh, ha, <laughs> has has he grasped the fact that you are the head coach of, at the University of Maryland? Like, have there been conversations about that with him?
1: There is nothing. Wyatt is not impressed by anything. <laughs> that guy. It is all. It's all about how many Legos I can spread across the floor and how far I can throw things at our dogs so nah. he's he's uh he thinks he's king of the house here he is not impressed and he doesn't care one bit
0: I believe it was during the football game against Texas you tweeted it at DJ Durkin saying you have the next quarterback ready in your son Wyatt as he uh developed any kind of love for any sports yet he looks pretty good in that jersey
1: well you know he he has the distinct ability to launch Legos across the room with both hands. So I think <laughs> that's a skill that Coach Durkin might be able to employ here in a couple of years. Um, but, no, I mean, he's just awesome. He's so much fun. And, and I tell you, it brings perspective. When you – you you know, you, uh, he was born, obviously, about a year and a half ago. And everybody tells you your world's changed. Nothing's going to be the same, yada, yada, yada. But, but I tell you, until, until he's actually there with you and you're with him day in and day out it Truly – Truly, you know, it's brought my wife and I even closer. It's just been such a neat thing to, to get to spend every day with him for the last almost 16 months. So so it's quite a blessing, man.
0: You mentioned earlier your relationship with John Chef, who did such a tremendous job uh, picking up where Eric Bakich left off and leaving this program in such a great place. I know that you have talked about how much you learned from Coach Chef, but now in your first first few months on the job – are, you, are there things that you've realized now that you learned from him that maybe you didn't realize at the time you were learning?
1: I think all the time, you know, and I, I think it's like that with your parents. You know, you don't think you're anything like your parents. I mean, you know, Coach Sheff and I's mentality is probably not the most similar um, when it comes to the way we go about things. And, you know, you, you never think, oh, I'm not like that, I'm not like that. And then I take his job, I'm in there, and I find myself doing all the same things he does um so so it's been cool you know he's just just the influence that he had even off the field man just the way the way he treats people the way that he um treats his family the way that he treats his kids the way that um you know he leads his wife like just I could go on and on for hours I mean we'd be on the phone for the next two hours (laughs) if I really started breaking down all the things I learned from that guy Um, but man he's a special special person that's for sure
0: so you mentioned that you've kind of always wanted to coach, but you played at Kansas State and you were drafted by the White Sox. Had a short professional stint. Was there a specific moment where you realized, okay, I'm not going to play in the major leagues, and I want to start investing in this coaching career?
1: It's really funny, man. I can remember the exact moment that I did, and and even and I had had thoughts of coaching before. You know, I I, um, I was going to stay at Kansas State as as a student assistant coach, if I didn't get drafted and get a chance to play. Um, and, you know, obviously that, that phone call came. I got a chance to go out, so I did that. But I'll never forget my first year. I was in Bristol, um, Virginia, playing for the Bristol Sox. And, you know, I was, I was on the roster. We had two other catchers. One was a kid from Venezuela that had way more ability than I did but was just a young kid. And, and you know, we were on our kind of rotation. I was catching about every third or fourth day. And, and then as the summer wore on, you kind of started, guys started f- figuring out more roles. My every third day it turned into about every five days to every six days. And I'll never forget. I went five for five one game. I had the best game I'd ever had. I hit two homers, went five for five. And I was like, I'm turning the tide. I'm going to make it like I'm <laughs> showing them what I can do. And I walk into the clubhouse the next day and I was not playing. And that's when I kind of started realizing, all right, like, I'm probably not gonna play Major League Baseball. Um, but we'll see how long this ride lasts. And you know, it went about another year, and then um, you know, I learned a ton, man. There was some, I had some really good managers, some some really good uh, people that I worked with with the White Sox at the time. And, and but when the opportunity came for me to get into coaching, I knew that's really where my passion was, and I really believed I'd make a better coach than I did a player. And um, you know, obviously, it's it's been going pretty well so far.
0: Now, you've mentioned to me a few times that there have been adjustments from being a hitting coach to becoming a head coach. You're, you're not just the leader of a group of the team. You're the leader of the whole team. What specific things have been the biggest challenges in that aspect?
1: You know, and I wouldn't even call them challenges as much as it's just been just kind of shifting focus, you know, and I think if I, was, if I went to a different school and took over as the head coach, some of the stuff that I would have had to do here would be very different. The, the interesting challenge of taking over here is I was so intima, intimately close with half of our team. The hitters, I mean, I knew those guys inside and out. We I mean, they'd been over to my house. They I mean, we had such a tight-knit relationship with hitters um, that my biggest goal this fall, and I think it's something that I hope we started breaking down a little bit, is I had such an intimate relationship with hitters and zero with pitchers, like not even one. I would just give them a hard time all the time, and I had no relationship really there. And so I think what forms there is you have two different camps on your team, and this is something I think a lot of teams fall into, and I think it's very unhealthy, is you have the hitters on one side and the pitchers on the other. And just being honest with you, I was a big part of that. You know, I had the pack, and I had this whole thing with the hitters and its identity, which I think is great, but I think there was better ways I could have done it looking back. But my biggest goal this fall has been how can I take us from – the hitters and the pitchers to just a group of absolute savages that love competing and getting after it together, and so that's been our goal. Is is I spend just as much time this fall, if not more time, with the pitchers, you know, and and I kind of told Coach Mascara after the fall, I said, man, I said the hitters, uh, Swoper and Papp have got those guys. I said I just want to come hang out with you guys. I'm not, I don't have a whole lot to bring to the table for you right now. It's not like I'm going to start talking about how to get into their hip or how to get ground force going or anything crazy. Like, you know, I said, I just wanna spend time with them. I wanna develop relationships with them. I wanna just hang out with them. And so that's what a lot of the post fall was, is trying to spend more quality time with those guys. Um, and and you know, I think I think that will pay off and it's been it was awesome to see them work and to see how dedicated they are to what they're doing and and I really b- believe that's been the biggest adjustment is just getting those guys to understand that look, I'm not I'm not the leader of the hitters anymore. Only like this is I'm I'm in this with you guys too, and so that's been kind of our biggest biggest area of uh, attention really.
0: So I I think a lot of people would think that a pitching coach would generally be a former pitcher, but you see I think more and more nowadays that former catchers are going into those positions. So as a former catcher, maybe you don't know the mechanical side of pitching, but the approach of pitching and how to deal with batters, like I would think that you bring some interesting perspectives on that.
1: Man, it's funny you say that because that's been my—that's been kind of our thing. What I told our guys, you know, when I when I caught, I wasn't the biggest, I wasn't the strongest. I received the ball pretty well, I threw the ball okay, but my strength was basically I could get pitchers to throw the ball where I wanted them to throw it. And it's been funny to see me and, and Moose kind of interact, Coach Mascara interact down there about. How he's a little bit more, and believe me, he's much more on the like, let's move with aggression through a spot. He is by no means this mechanical thing that he's creating down there. But for me, that's I think that's where my my talent lied was was in really being able to work with pitchers and getting getting them to do what I wanted to do. So we have spent a lot of time with our three catchers this fall, just down in the bullpen with the pitchers. You know, we could I could fire them balls at the machine I could do different individual defense stuff with those guys that might make them throw a tick better or block a tick better but what's going to be the biggest thing for our team is those guys learning the pitchers inside and out learning where to set up learning how to get them to tunnel pitches in the right area learning how to sequence guys and that stuff that I think me and Moose have kind of worked hand in hand with this this offseason on getting right so so it is interesting man it's it's something that that I've enjoyed getting down there because it's a side of of what I was really good at that I really haven't done a whole lot over the last few years, so it's been fun to get back down there a little bit.
0: I want to talk about your staff for a moment. Starting uh, on the offensive side of things, Matt Swope was the director of baseball ops for a while. Now he's the hitting coach, and Anthony Papio back for his second year as a coach after a career as a player here. How important is it for a program to have guys that played here, love it here on the staff, not only from a coaching perspective, but when you're – out recruiting, these guys can say, "Look, I played here. I've been here. This is the place uh, for me, and for a lot of you."
1: I think, I think it's very. Yeah, that's a huge asset, man. Like, I think, I think passion is something that was like the center thing I was looking for in recruit or in in recruiting coaches, really, and picking coaches. And I mean, Swope and Pap are incredible. What Swope's done with our offense this fall has been awesome. You know, he has a lot of veteran hitters, but some things he's done with with guys and to see his work um to see him instill some of the stuff he really believes in because there's times we sat there and and i'll be i'll be the first one to say we sat in my office one time and had a three-hour conversation about what our two-strike approach was going to be and this and that and we were back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and ultimately i said look swoper you bring me some evidence as far as why you want to do this and let's do it. I get a basically a dissertation that night about why we (laughs) needed to do what he was talking about. And I was like, man, I'm in, let's try it. And it's been lights out. Like we had, we walked way more than we struck out this fall. We put up a ton of runs this fall offensively and that's all a direct result of what he's doing. You know, I, he, he gets a job here, man. And and we were down in Atlanta, Atlanta, there's a huge tournaments down there during the summer. We were scheduled to be down there about two weeks and, Swoper stayed for an extra about four or five days because there was a couple young players he wanted to see. Swope spent almost his first three weeks on the job sweating his face off down in Atlanta, you know, and, and I think, I think he relates to players well. I think he relates to coaches well. I call him the mayor, man. He's the mayor of college park. I, anybody <laughs> in the state of Maryland knows who Matt Swope is. Um, you know, and, and then Pap is, Pap is the best of the best, man. I, I have, I have a lot of buddies that are in coaching, um, and I, I'm the first one to tell them that I have the best volunteer in college baseball, and there's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. The way he works, the, the time he puts in, um, the, the desire to do things different. You know, We have part of our mission statements to do it better than it's ever been done before, and Pap embodies that in literally every tiny little thing he does, from running camp to um, to being on every visit to Talking to coaches, I mean, the guy is an absolute rock star, and that's, that's nothing even on the field. You know, what he does on the field is incredible, but Papio is going to be an absolute superstar as a coach, and my, my goal is going to gonna be to keep him with me at Maryland as long as I humanly can, but that guy is going to be an absolute superstar in this profession.
0: A couple questions about that Atlanta trip, because I've heard some things about it. Uh, one, did you guys go to the Coke factory? And two, how many trips to Zaxby's were taken?
1: <laughs> we didn't go to the Coke factory. Our days in Atlanta, you become a machine when you go down to Atlanta. <laughs> it's, it's very interesting because you wake up at 6.30 or 7. We always say it in Embassy Suites, so you go down and have a good breakfast. They do have your tremendous first, breakfast. Great omelets. Great omelets. So you go down there. Your first game starts at 8. You have a game at 8, at 10.30, at 12.15 at 1.45, at 4, at 6, and at Lake Point they also run games at 9.45 at night. So you're literally finishing your your – you're starting your day at 7, you're finishing it. Sometimes you don't have a late game, but it always seems like there's one kid you have to see that's going to close a game at 9.45. <laughs> and So you're there at 1 o'clock in the morning trying to see him pitch, and then you go do it all again the next day. I feel like after about two days of it, my wife calls, and it's like, you know, babe, how's the day going? Well, I did this and I did this and I did this. She calls me and I say, "Hey, how'd the day go? I did this, I did this." And so she just gets tired of me talking. Just all right, I don't even want to hear about it anymore. But there is, <laughs> there is, uh, yeah, there's, there's, you just become a robot while you're down there in Atlanta. But there's good baseball all over the place, so it's worth it.
0: How much grief does Coach Swope get for how old he is?
1: Oh, he. I tell I tell people all the time. You know, I said. We have the the one of the advantages I think to our coaching staff so I, I would argue that we have one of if not the youngest coaching staff in the in the country and I say, and I just give him a hard time all the time about him just dragging our average way up because <laughs> I call him Greybeard all the time around people. I have a lot of nicknames for Swapra. I have the mayor, Greybeard, we got all sorts of stuff. But but man, he's, uh, he's an animal dude. That guy's that guy's got some serious energy.
0: Now, your pitching coach, uh, Corey Muscara, comes over from St. John's after a really impressive tenure there. Last year, he had Kevin Mooney came in as a freshman and was just outstanding, and it seems like some of the pitchers this fall that maybe didn't have the success they wanted to last year have made great improvements, and also, Coach Muscara seems to have brought in a very good friend for your son, Wyatt.
1: Oh, there's no doubt. First of all, Theodore, his son, and Susie, his wife, are the best two things about Corey Mascara. Let's just be clear about that. But, but I tell you, he, um, he, whether he would tell you this or not, like he really lives by the John Wooden quote about how they don't know, they don't care how much you know till they know how much you care, mm-hmm. and that's Corey Mascara in a nutshell. You start talking about, I've walked in so many times into the bullpen, and they're talking about, he's talking to him about. Their math tests. He's talking about why their grades aren't where they need to be with something he's telling them of, talking about stuff that has nothing to do with pitching. And I think the biggest thing that our guys crave, that our guys, that most guys crave, is somebody that cares about them. You know, and and the fact that that's where it all starts with him. And he's a complete tireless worker. He's an absolute animal recruiter. But the thing that he does such a great job of is he's recruiting four different classes. He's recruiting. 18 19 20 and 21 you know recruiting kids from those guys which takes a ton of time but he is not sacrificing developing relationships with our guys on campus and and people kids respond to that i really believe they respond to that and and you know it doesn't matter if you're our friday night starter or if you're a freshman that's going to redshirt and have to develop he is pouring his heart into making those guys better and giving them an identity and it's just neat like The other day we had individuals and, you know, in individual sessions, guys come in for about a 30-minute session and then they're done. And the next group of three or four comes in and then they're done. The environment he's created in the bullpen is incredible because guys don't leave. You know, they they do their 30-minute session with him and they just hang out. They're listening to music. They're talking over on the side, doing whatever, but, but they don't want to leave because they love being there. And shoot, we, we got our last bullpen when Billy Phillips threw his first pin the other day for us. And Billy's up there and there's 10 of our pitchers are still sitting around watching him, like daffing him up when he's done, giving him a hug when he's done. It was, it's just really neat to see what he's created with those pitchers down there. And he's he's doing a great job.
0: Can you just talk about Billy a little bit, um, what he's overcome to get to this point and what kind of person he is and how special it was for everyone to uh, throw those first pitches in a Maryland uniform the other day? I, I saw the video, and he kind of just gave that little fist pump on the first pitch. He poured it over the inside corner for a strike.
1: I mean, I can't, I can't say enough about the kid. I'll never forget we were on a bus to Elon, North Carolina. We were getting to, ready to play Elon. We stopped at a mall to eat. Um you know, I used to sit next to Coach Bellinger on the bus as he was right across from mine, and, and, like, his face just went white, and he told me, you know, what was going on, and at the time, we had heard a rumor. We got a call from a scout telling us that, so we kind of went through the channels and found out that, you know, Billy had leukemia, and and it was weird because I told you, like, the way we did in the past, the pitchers and position players were split, so I didn't spend a lot of time with Billy uh, and through the recruiting process. Coach Bellinger did, and... And I tell you, for one, there's not a guy more excited than Jimmy Bellinger that Billy's back on a mound in a Maryland uniform, which is pretty cool. We spent about 30 minutes talking about it on the phone yesterday. Um, but, but man, I, I don't even know where to start with Billy. Like, he's a tough kid. He's a grateful kid. He's a kind kid. He's a worker. I mean, I can't I, I, I can't even say enough about him, man. Like, that dude is is – one of the best young men I've ever known. And to see to see our guys respond to him, like to see our guys respond to him getting up on a mound, he has a smile on his face the whole time. Like you talk about a guy that has a freedom of failure, that guy is up on a mound after going through something that no young kid should ever have to go through, and he's on a mound with a smile on his face. Like the results don't matter. And we've talked so much to our guys about really understanding that and really grasping that, but Billy Phillips gets it. And I'm telling you, I don't know what capacity it's going to be. I don't know where he's going to factor into our pitching staff this spring, but that dude is going to be an impact person on our team. I can guarantee it in some form or fashion. And, man, I'm just, it's its just such a blessing for me to be able to kind of be a very small part of getting to watch him get, get back and do what he's been kind of waiting to do, to be honest with you, for about the last two and a half years.
0: So in your time here at Maryland, you've kind of seen – not even the rebuilding of a program, but the emergence of a program from essentially nothing to a team that's moved to the Big Ten, made the NCAA tournament three out of four years. Back in 2009, as a player at Kansas State, you helped that program make the NCAA tournament for the first time in history. So you've kind of been a part of growing of programs so far. And the three tournaments in four years. You had a bunch of guys drafted that had a lot of minor league success last year and a lot of alums in the past few years that seem to be making their way towards the major leagues. So this program is uh, certainly a national factor and you have this coaching staff that you, that you've talked so much about. Um, it seems to me that if I were a 16, 17 year old kid, it would be hard to say no to you guys. Uh, in a recruiting pitch. So how, how has that been going?
1: Man, recru- recruiting's been – it's gone really good, you know, and, and obviously we can't get into specifics yeah. about it, but as far as but as far as far the way it's gone, it's been tremendous, you know, and I think that's the thing. I think people – you can't fake passion. You really can't. You know, You if I didn't believe in the, the people I work with from Swoper to Pap to Corey to Megan to Will Franco, um, if I didn't believe in those guys – and I didn't believe in them, there, there's no shot that I could sell things the way that we sell it. And it is what you get with Maryland baseball is something that's different than every other place in the country, and that's what I will guarantee you. Because when you come on a visit, when you come spend time with us, you're going to spend just as much time with me, the head coach, as you do our director of baseball operations, as you do our volunteer. It doesn't matter if we've got a pitcher on campus that Coach Swope will never coach, that guy's spending the entire day with him. Because what we believe is is to build this thing you're talking about, to really establish something like building tradition is, is the rewarding part of this. Like We don't want to be a flash in the pan. We don't want to be a team that's like, oh, I remember a couple those couple of years Maryland was pretty good. There's plenty of those stories. What we want to do is we want to build something that's sustainable. You do that with the right kind of people. So we believe that people are what make an organization. People are what make um, – make it tick. So for us, for one, we've got to identify the right kind of people. We call them OKGs. They're our kind of guys. It's something I stole from my buddy, Matt Deggs. That's something they talk a lot about. But an OKG is something that is paramount because we can get talent. We can collect talent and be good for a year or two, but you're not going to be a sustainable winner and build tradition with people that aren't your kind of people. So we spend a ton of time trying to identify that. And then when we get in, when we get in the office with families, you know, it's been It's been pretty cool. And what was really funny is we went through a time where I told Coach Mascara, I was like, man, I've never had a kid commit in my office. Like, I've never had that happen. And he's like, well, that's our new goal. And we had six in a row commit without leaving the office. And then I was like, well, man, now if people don't commit when they leave the office, I'm going to think they hate us now. (laughs) But, but, no, we've had a lot of success in the trail, I think. I think it's a lot of our kind of dudes that we've really got locked up. Um, You know, and I think. Think the the future of Maryland baseball is going to be very very bright after what we've seen over the last couple of weeks.
0: A couple, uh, I guess, months ago now, I talked to Coach Papio on this podcast, and he said the mentality of the program is: if you're not here and don't expect to win a national championship, why are you here? Um, how do you establish that mentality?
1: We we tell every single kid while they're sitting there. We've had we've had some very high profile kids sitting in my office over the last four months. And I told every single one of them, if you can't close your eyes and see us dogpiling in Omaha, don't come to school here. Like, don't do it. And and I think that's something that's huge because everybody wants to tell you why things can't be done. It's impossible to do this. It's impossible to do that. Our real belief is it's only impossible until somebody does it. And if we sit back and just dwell on what we can't do or what we don't have, we're not we're not going anywhere. So what we need is we need kids to believe that. We need kids to close their eyes and and believe in the deepest part of where they are that that we can win at the very highest level. And it's not about Omaha, it's not about this, it's not about that. It's about winning. It's about getting to the pinnacle and dogpiling the very last game of the year. And and it's something that not a lot of people get to experience and who knows, like who knows where or when that's gonna happen, but I believe very, very earnestly that that we are going to win at the very highest level here with the staff we have, with the players we have coming in. I think it's an exciting time to be a part of this program.
0: So just a couple more questions, and I'll get you out of here. I know uh, it's Thanksgiving week, so you probably have a lot of things going on. But um, you are now the youngest coach in the Power Five. Everybody's got a plan in life. Did you ever dream that you'd be in this spot this young?
1: Not at all, ma'am. Not at all. I like, my goal I always told my wife is I wanted to be I wanted to be a head coach when I was thirty five. By thirty five that's what I wanted to do. That was kind of my my timeline I had for myself and and being honest with you, I'd never guessed it was at a power five program. And there's so many people along the way that, that are so responsible for me being where I'm at from Andy Sawyers to John Chef to Brad Hill to Sean McCann to uh, Matt Deggs. Like there's so many people along this journey that have that have really just giving me above and beyond anything that I feel like I deserve, you know? And, and so it, it's humbling. It's not something that's lost on me. It's something I'm very aware of. Um, and you know, I think it, there, there's a lot of responsibility that comes with it, you know, because it's a cool story. Hey, it's great. He's the youngest head coach in the power five. And then we go 20 and 42 and people are like, Oh, they're idiots. <laughs> so for me, it's really about, you know, I, I, I appreciate that. I, it's not lost on me, but at the same time, there's a lot of work that we know um, goes into to keeping this thing running in the direction we want it to run. Um, so man, there there's not going to be a lack of work. We can guarantee that.
0: I found out a few weeks ago that you are a fan of the Houston Astros. So congratulations on a, on that World Series title. As a Yankee, as a Yankee fan, I would just like to point out that uh, in Game Six of the ALCS, um, the Astros were up three nothing, I believe, in the sixth inning, and it was first and second, nobody out. Verlander was pitching, Aaron Hicks, count was three and one, and he threw a pitch that was, uh, I-, I-, I think, it was a foot and a half off the plate, and it got called strike two, <laughs> and then Hicks ends up striking out. They win that game. They win Game Seven. So uh, I-, I just want to make sure you know. That I am beyond happy for you, uh, that you got this World Series title, but uh, it wouldn't happen, wouldn't have happened if the that absurd call was not made in the sixth inning of Game Six. So just so you're aware.
1: Well, what we can do this year, Justin, we'll sit down. I'll teach you about what it means to take extreme ownership for things <laughs> and to not be an excuse maker. We'll, we'll work on that. We got we got all season, man. All. I'll help you become a little bit more of a man and learn how to take responsibility. We'll, we'll work on that this year. Don't worry. I got some stuff for you.
0: In all seriousness, though, it was a, it was an outstanding postseason. I'm sure you enjoyed it as much as I did. Um, and oh, it's awesome. Uh, yeah, I was just happy to be there. Um, so well,
1: actually, it's funny you say that. I've actually got my Astros. I wish you could see it because I'm not even lying. I've got my Astros World Series shirt on right now. Wow. So, oh, yeah.
0: Perfect timing. Um, oh, other, yeah. other than the Astros winning the World Series, tomorrow's Thanksgiving. What are you most thankful for right now?
1: Oh, shoot, man. Like, what a great question. Like, I mean, I think it starts with my wife and my son. I mean, the the person in this that, that gets no credit for for anything is my wife. And she is literally the best thing in my life. She's my favorite human being on the planet. The way she's a mother to our son is absolutely incredible. She loves me when I'm very unlovable, which is very after when we lose, I'm not the most lovable person in the world. Um, and and there's a lot of sacrifices. There's a lot of things I miss. There's a lot of travel that goes on and she is the absolute best thing in, in my life. And then obviously she gave me my son, you know, 16 months ago and I'm incredibly thankful for him. He's, he's healthy. He's nuts. He's out of his mind. He runs around all over the place. He loves stomping around, but he's, he's the best thing, man. And you know, I think, it's such a cliche. I get, I get really reflective this time of year when you sit back and, and think about stuff. But but especially my family, you know, to have a healthy family to be blessed with. Um, two parents that that basically support have supported me from day one and, and been in my corner from day one and driven me to countless games and things. And, uh, I mean, they're incredible. They're actually here right now um, getting to spend Thanksgiving with us. And, you know, even my wife's family, who everybody everybody talks about how – you're, you're not supposed to like your mother-in-law, I guess. I guess that's a thing. And I've got the best mother-in-law in in the world. She's the sweetest human on the planet. And, um, and I love her so much. So there's so much, man. I'm thankful to get to work with four people that, that I love going to work with every day that I don't feel like I have a real job. I feel like I get paid to go to the office and hang out with four of my best friends, which is, which is pretty awesome. And so, and then to, just to cap it off with the group we have, I know that's cliche. Everybody loves their team and everybody loves that and this and that, but but this team really is different. You know, they really are. They're, the makeup of the team, the way they go about their business day to day, I'm thankful for all every one of those 33 guys that are out there um, and for for how great of people they are, for how they work, and how they've done every tiny little thing we've asked them to do. So man if we if we start talking about everything I'm thankful for, we're gonna be here for the next four hours, but that's a, there's a little snapshot for you.
0: Last question tomorrow when you sit down for Thanksgiving dinner, what are you most excited to see on the table?
1: so it's a it's a Vaughn family tradition. We have homemade noodles every year, so it's like it started with my grandma, my dad's mom, down to my dad, and he's taught them to me, but we will literally. We will get a bowl with eggs and flour. We will whip that up and make it like a dough. We'll roll roll the dough out on the kitchen, lay it out, let it dry, roll it up, slice it really thin, and then cook it in chicken broth. And it is the closest thing to heaven that you'll ever put in your mouth, that's for sure.
0: Well, that sounds pretty good. Coach, thanks so much for taking some time out of your week to talk with us and, as you always do, taking time out of your schedule. And I hope you have a great Thanksgiving.
1: Well, Justin, man, I appreciate it. I'm thankful for what you guys do, too, man. You guys do a heck of a job and and work your tails off of this. So, man, any time, I love hanging out with you guys and spending time with you guys.
0: All right, thanks, Coach.
1: All right, buddy.
0: Thanks to Coach Vaughn for joining us here on the Maryland Baseball Network podcast and the kind words he shared at the end. Also talked about what he's thankful for. And, man, I I would love some of those Vaughn family noodles. Hopefully I'll, I'll get some in the future. Now let's talk with Maryland hitting coach Matt Swope, one of the most passionate people you'll ever meet in your life if you're lucky enough to have the opportunity. And there's nobody that cares about Maryland more than that guy. So here's that chat. Now joined by Maryland hitting coach Matt Swope on this edition of the Maryland Baseball Network podcast. Coach, thanks for your time. Thanks
2: for having me, bud. Appreciate it.
0: So, how have the first few months on the job for you been after switching over from director of baseball ops now into your current position?
2: Uh probably one word sums it up is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, right right after kind uh, of things happen in the season and things kind of fell down with Coach Chef you know first thing we had to do was get moose on board and that was good so um I pretty much we just hit the recruiting trail pretty fast and i was out in atlanta for probably like 15 16 days with the rest of the staff and we just kind of hit the ground running so uh it's been crazy um but it's been good to to have the guys back in the fall and kind of kind of work with them daily so but it's been, it's been kind of crazy but good
0: So we've been about a week or so uh, since fall ball wrapped up with the Fall World Series. Pretty crazy. It it looked like the old liners had it, then the Aggies stormed back on Friday in a wild one. What were your impressions, takeaways from not just the Fall World Series, but the entire fall?
2: Well, just for the Fall World Series, that last game, I mean, I think it kind of sums it up with guys like Kevin Bionic that had maybe the best fall I've ever seen in my entire life, um, even as a player and a coach where he puts up that that number in the first inning just to remind his teammates that hey this isn't impossible but you need to see it to think that it's possible you know what i mean yeah so i think that showed a lot of fight and you know um from from not only that squad but that's kind of how things went the entire fall so um from the hitting standpoint i mean you know we did things a little differently by kind of starting the fall a little later so we could kind of implement our plan and what we're going to do with the hitters and pitchers um during individuals but Overall, man, I think the guys, you know, the guys worked hard. I think it's it's huge having, like, a senior presence with guys like Morris, Jankarski, and Beyondic, and, and you see across the landscape of college baseball, um, some of the really good teams have good seniors, and I think you need that type of leadership. So I think that was that was on display for, for much of the fall.
0: Can you just talk about Kevin a little bit, uh, Beyondic? that yeah. is, because he came back, and at least from my perspective, and obviously I don't, know any better than most people but you do he looks like a completely different person it was a shock yeah. if he would make an out I mean he was locked in at the plate can you just talk about what's mm-hmm. changed with him
2: yeah I think you said it best man just just looks like a different person man just looks like a different player different person I mean uh you know Justin Morris looks the same you know sometimes when, when guys are juniors and I'm not saying Kevin had this thought you know or thinking about the draft and there's high expectations and then there's kind of a letdown but you know, sometimes his kids and, and people mature later. And it just seems like to me, you know, he went out this summer and, you know, had a great approach. He started pitching and, you know, maybe the pitching part allowed him to just say, man, just, you know, ha- have a good time with the game. So um, for him, though, just as a, a mature thing coming back, he just looks like a different player, super confident. And he's always been vocal on the field, but, I mean, he's locked in on, on, whether it's NDD or, or, you know, total four-on-four with the entire team. I mean, he's not afraid to say something to pitchers, to to position players, to anybody. And I just think that the maturity he's shown throughout the fall has just been, been nothing short of amazing.
0: I think that one people or one person that a lot of people are curious about is A.J. Lee because he wasn't able to play mm-hmm. in the fall World yep. Series because of a sickness. So can you talk about A.J.'s fall? And then a lot of people are wondering uh, who's going to be the shortstop this year because of Kevin mm-hmm. Smith getting drafted. Do you see A.J. Yep. in that spot right now?
2: Yeah, A.J. was fine. I mean, A.J. comes to work every day. He's a hard worker. I mean, up to that point where he did get sick, he was solid. Um, he's one of our best defenders, obviously, and yeah, he, he's probably going to play shortstop. Um, we moved Taylor right over to third base, and, you know, guys are battling out over there, but AJ's just been such a steady presence. at short, and even when he was sick, um, he'll still show up to our NDD sessions and, you know, help me with the younger guys and work through some stuff. So, uh, A.J. saw solid. I think he's got, you know, he's just in a good place mentally where he knows what he's got to do this year. He's coming off a really good year. Um, he's got a lot of confidence right now, so... I think A.J.'s is is one of the guys we don't worry about. Um, The only thing, you know, to focus on now for him is, you know, during that sickness is making sure he pays attention to his nutrition and and staying hydrated. And, you know, I think he's cleared um, either tomorrow or Wednesday. So just getting back in that weight room and and being diligent with that. But I I don't worry about the defensive stuff or or him getting in there working on his hitting.
0: In terms of new guys, you have a couple transfers, Brad Barnett, Taylor Wright, you mentioned mm-hmm. those guys and then a number of freshmen that really impressed in the fall. Who are some of the newcomers that you are excited about and Terps fans should be yeah. excited about?
2: Well, I mean, it's just obviously a, it's a bigger group, which is kind of weird sometimes. We we have a lot of, you know, veterans back on the position player side. So, I'm excited about, you know, you're always excited to see new talent coming, especially, you know, my first fall, you know, like my own baby coaching. Um, but we had, you know, guys that come in like Barnett, who third base, you know, he's a lot of, like done. If I can get him to say more than five words in a day, then it's, it's, it's <laughs> probably something that's positive. He's, he's another quiet kid. So if you ever talk to him, you're going to have to hit like pulling teeth, but we've had some really good freshmen, man. I mean, Richie Schaikoffer hit 350 in the fall. Um, you got guys like, you know, Bednar that hit four or five home runs that were some towering shots. And, um, there's just a lot of good talent. I mean, across the board. So, um, you know, it's 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 been exciting to have these new guys in here, um, but but having just a really good mix with the veterans and seeing them interact has been great. So.
0: Overall, now that you're you're the hitting coach, Rob Vaughn's the head coach, and John Chef's not mm-hmm. here, would you say yep. that there is any change? And if so, what is it in the hitting philosophy of this group? Oh
2: wow! So I gotta tread lightly here. So. <laughs> <laughs> um. So Coach Jeff's more of an old-school guy and likes a small game. We, we all know that. Coach Jeff's an amazing coach. Always has been, you know, a lot of us owe his careers to him, and we've learned a lot under him. But I think the best part um, throughout this transition is me and Rob um, are very similar in our philosophies with hitting, so um, we get along very well. So I I think we're we're not necessarily – it is different, but we're just trying to be a little bit more aggressive. Uh, there could be some small things like – you know maybe coach chef wasn't a big fan of swinging at the first pitch of the game and we we want to do that um you know in a 30 count you know with some of the lineup the guys we have in the lineup we may want to be swinging instead of taking some pitches so i'm not saying that's coach chef's overall philosophy but we're just really trying to to be a little bit more aggressive with the type of lineup we have this year um and that's why we kind of took a little bit longer with individuals to kind of implement our system and you know, no longer kind of thinking one way, but kind of thinking more of, you know, pedal to the metal all the time where, you know, some coaches want to get into the, you know, see how many pitches they could see in the first couple innings and do all that, We're just trying to focus on each at-bat being super aggressive and and, and whatever happens, happens.
0: Now, something interesting, you played here from 99 to 2002, and you spent two years Mm -hmm. uh, playing under Tom Bradley and two years under Terry Rupp, so you know what it's like as a player to play through a coaching change. What does that experience do for you when the players that are returning from last year now have a new coach it's a new head Mm -hmm. coach it's still Rob he's still been here for a while but what does that experience do to you that you can implement with your guys
2: yeah well I think Rob first of all he'll he'll admit I mean when you're a hitting coach like you know you're so
0: one-track minded
2: sometimes because you're responsible for so many guys and it's hard not to think about recruiting in that sense so I think as a staff we try to change as a whole where you know, our recruiting visits, all of the coaches are in every single visit, whether it's pitchers and hitters, or we're not trying to have that, you know, separation between the two groups now. So I think that Rob's done a great job with that. From my experience, when I actually played in college, it was more, it's always about perspective. So, you know, you see how, how things are done one way for so long and you're used to that. Um, and then a new coach comes in and some things are, or a lot of things are different. Some things you may like, some things you don't like, but I think what you always do is gain perspective and you try to take the best of both and and implement that into just your not on your daily life in college or whatever it is, but on the field and with your teammates, too. So I think it ended up being a good thing for me because I learned in college at a young age and it helped me throughout pro ball and kind of what it really helped me the most is, is with that now of just being a coach and being around so many different coaches, what I was in college or pro ball. I think I think it helped me with perspective. So I think the players kind of feel the same way.
0: Is there one coach that's had the greatest influence on you as a coach now?
2: No, I would probably be just our staff now, just because when you're younger, I think, you know, I, I mean, I had a, a really great experience at the math high school with coach Sullivan. So he was my high school coach and, you know, we won a championship every year I was there. So I think that was just such a more close knit because I was younger and we won. And, you know, I was kind of going through the transition of struggle here in Maryland where we weren't very good. I think, you know, by my senior year, we were really good. And it was, I think uh the most wins we had in history until Coach Chef came back. So I think it's a little easier to draw back from high school because when you're winning, it's it seems like a better experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but besides high school, I think just the last five years being around um, Coach Chef and Coach Vaughn and, and, and guys like Papio you and know, guys that we're super close with has definitely been the most influential of my career.
0: An interesting question here. Uh, I've talked to Coach Vaughn about this a little bit, but the last few years he was the leader of the pack. Is he still the leader of the pack, or are you the leader of the pack now, or is no one the leader I, of the pack?
2: I think we're all the pack now. Okay. So that's what I said before is like we're trying to implement that stuff with the pitchers and the hitters, where we're all one unit. Where I think you know Rob, you know, brought an identity to the hitters when he came over, and you know I think they really embrace that. Guys like Papio and guys that just were, we're just hard nosed guys over the years. But what we tried to do, man, when we're trying to bring in Brian Kane and stuff with the pack, is we want to be all on the same page. Um, and have all one mentality. So I think we've implemented stuff in practice that's helped with that and, and gotten everybody on the same page. And, you know, even as something as we did an academic draft this year um, where each of us have an academic team of eight players, mm-hmm. and I have four or five pitchers. So, you know, I'm in, you know, interacting with pitchers on, on a personal basis, checking on their grades, checking on what they're doing and stuff like that. And I don't think you'd find many staffs in the country you know that are implementing with with pitchers about their math one fifteen test that day. So I think you know just the overall change in that trying to bring us all together has, has helped. So I'll give Rob still leader of the pack, but he, <laughs> he's the leader of the whole team as well.
0: So I'm not going to ask any specifics, but whose team is doing the best right now in the academic in the academic? Oh contest? man, that's,
2: we're keeping that we're keeping that close we're keeping that close to the vest. I actually have more pitchers. So okay. we get daily up, daily updates from Carl. Carl's our uh, academic advisor. So we, we get these updates on, on what their grades are doing, how they're doing, what tests they have, but it doesn't necessarily give you the letter grade. So I, you know, sometimes when I don't see my guys on a report, so good, but you know, it only takes one test, or, you know, or one final to kind of bring it down. So I'll make sure you know soon enough once we find out
0: all right and and if you could um just tell my parents that you know even though I'm working hard all semester, if I struggle on one test, it brings it down, but that doesn't ruin the whole body of work.
2: okay, you can just tell me and then talk the coach Slope.
0: <laughs> so I, I want to go back to <laughs> I want to go back to the summer right now um take uh-huh. me through the moment when you got this job as the hitting coach what What did it mean to you? Who was the first, you know, couple of people you talked to? What was, you know, as someone who went here, what did it mean to you?
2: Well, it's funny is because I was <clears throat> I actually was out in Atlanta recruiting because we had kind of had to just get that done and get out there and have guys and have a presence, you know what I mean, with the staff. So mm-hmm. I actually did not get hired till after that. So it was kind of interesting that I was already out recruiting, already kind of doing it um, just as like, you know, in- until it was finalized. So we had to bring Moose on first, and that was a, a quicker – quicker transition for him because we need to implement him and stuff with the pitchers. But I mean, I can't, anybody that knows me, man, this is, I, I tell people like either like, how are you emailing me at 11 o'clock at night or texting me at one o'clock in the morning? And I tell people, you know, they'll see me at sidelines, of football games. They'll see me at basketball games. This is a lifestyle for me. You know what I mean? So I can't necessarily put it in words. You know, both of my parents went here, you know, I drove to high school every day, you know, across route one to get to Damascus. So, um, this place mm-hmm. has been a part of me since, since I could walk. Mm-hmm. So um, I- anybody that knows me like knows if you caught me open there, you know, obviously the, the Maryland flag would probably pour out. So <laughs> um, I really couldn't put it into words. There was probably a couple of days where I took a step back and just said, you know, just how thankful I was and how blessed, you know, to be here. And, and like I said, this, this is a lifestyle for me. So this is something that, you know, hopefully I can, I can be here for the rest of my life and, and finish my career here because, you know, my entire life has been surrounded around you know places like this in Damascus, and and how much this means to me.
0: So I I think uh, at these basketball and football games when they go through the the montage, there needs to be an I'm Matt Swope and I have Maryland pride, right?
2: Yeah, I agree. I mean, <laughs> they got Steve they got Steve Suter on there. He's one of my best friends. They got a bunch of other guys that I know. I think that. Or maybe we just need to get our own video board, and then we can have our own montage. What do you
0: think? That's not not a bad idea, and that kind of leans yeah. into, into a good question. Um, as director of baseball ops, you kind of oversaw a lot of changes that have gone on in the program, the renovation of the stadium and things like mm-hmm. that. And as someone who played here and at least statistically was one of the most successful players in program history, what has it meant to you to kind of see the transition of the program to a power in the Big Ten and a team that's made the NCAA tournament three out of four years, maybe not having the team success you wanted when you were here, but now you're back and the team is having that success.
2: Oh, it means everything. I mean, the next best thing to being a player. I mean, we all wish we could play again, right? But as the coach, I mean, you still you still get the butterflies, you still get the adrenaline, you you still get the you know competitive factor. So. It means a lot. So I mean, I think one of the best things when I came back here, I wanted to be involved in all those little things, not just alumni relations, but you know, whether it's like you said, or the renovations we've done to the field. Um, not many people know we did we did a class with the architectural department a couple years ago where we spent an entire year um, with eight grad students, and we have renderings for a second phase of our stadium. Um, so I met with those those students every two weeks. So and it was to every single possible detail. Um, of what the future of maryland baseball or stadium would be like so all these little things i think you know have helped because i have so much pride for it it's not something where it's it's a nuisance or a bother which a lot of times i'm not gonna lie you know budget meetings and every little detail and all that stuff that we're trying to get to can can be can be tough sometimes so i think with you know how much i care and 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 you know how important it is to me i'm just i have my hands in everything and sometimes that's not good but at the same time it's 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 all from passion and love so um we've come a long way um not only as as a program who's who's made those three tournaments in the last four years and two regional championships um and and a lot of the guys that are even here sometimes i have to remind them saying like hey man when i was here we were we were up in the Cole field house auxiliary gym on a wood floor with one cage and half of a net so I know that kind of dates me a little bit with with the monstrosity of the amazing call that is right now, but sometimes the guys maybe themselves don't even realize how far we've come, and that means that we're doing our job, and that means it's a good thing. So, um, yeah, it's been fantastic, and, you know, I give the administration credit, too. I mean, they've supported us. Our budget's increased a lot over the past three or four years, and, you know, you can't operate at a high level um, like some of these schools that we're competing with without those types of support from administrators. So. I think we're in a good position now with all that, and you know, putting our, putting ourselves on the on the map has helped for sure.
0: Was there a moment, uh, maybe during your professional career or after it ended, where you realized you you wanted to coach? Maybe uh, the major leagues wasn't going to happen, and, and this was when yeah. you wanted what you wanted to go into.
2: Yeah, I had a, I had a lot of soul searching. I had a rough kind of time when I got drafted. I played that first year, but I was hurt the whole summer and. You know, I came back to spring training in really good shape and found out my arm was torn the entire year. And, you know, I got back-to-back surgery with Dr. Andrews in Alabama in the next two years and pretty much ended my career. So, you know, you think you have some trajectory when you've been working your entire life for, you know, close to 20 years for one one goal, and then it's kind of taken away from you. So. I think it was tough too coming back to this area. I already had my degree, but it's such a competitive area for money. It's 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 hard to sometimes say, yeah, I'm just going to sacrifice a couple more years and coach. So, you know, that's kind of what I did, where I you know went and worked for Department of Defense for a little while, contractor for them, and you know I was I was doing stuff with my criminal justice degree. But there was a time where I was when I got back involved here with Eric Bakich where I was just like, you know, this is, this is my calling. I need to be back in athletics, and what better place to do it in Maryland? That's where my heart is. So. Um, coach Jeff was, you know, you know, I'm thankful that he met with me and and we made it work out and, you know, it's, it took a little longer, but, um, I think I'm in a place where I should be now. So.
0: I've asked everyone on the staff about this, and I'd like to ask you about it. Um, it's a group of very – I know you said you dated yourself with the Cole Fieldhouse thing, but overall, uh, it's a very young staff with you, Coach Vaughn, Coach Papio, and Coach Muscara, and Coach Irby now, who's joined this year, and uh, Kevin Martier's around during the fall and winter. Um, what's it like being with a group like that? I mean, I mean, this is just the prototypical example, but Augie Garrido down in uh, – down in texas a few years ago i don't think he had a pull-up bar outside his office as great of a legend as he was what is this group like to be around every day
2: well first of all they call me graybeard because at 37 years old i'm the oldest (laughs) on the staff if you can actually believe that so i i I thought you were going to go with where they're going to tease me about me being the oldest which they do every day which is kind of crazy (laughs) because i'm only 37 um and don't get it twisted if you ask anthony papio where he got that pull-up bar i gave it to him so okay um yeah, so we're still duking it out in the weight room. He's probably stronger than me in a lot of areas. Because I said, well, just wait till you get, wait till you get over 30 and 35, and you wake up sometimes in the morning after all the surgeries and feel like me. Mm-hmm. But no, I think you know, even with the addition of like, I mean, Irby, like where he looks like Captain America. I think the good thing when you have a young staff, we've all checked our egos. Um, we have some very candid conversations that I think sometimes would be lost on a head coach that's been there for a while or. or Kind of set in his ways, so I think you know you got to credit Rob for that. Just checking the egos, and you know we we all just have very candid conversations and very honest. um And I just think with the energy and the young staff, we're always pushing each other, whether that's you know in the weight room or on the field or or doing things better. Obviously, that's our you know our, our mission and vision is to do it better than it's ever been done before. So I think having that young vigor and energy is 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 something you can't put a price on for sure.
0: Now, Coach Muscara has come in, and it seems like he's picked up right where you guys are with his energy, and mm-hmm. Papio yep. told me it's it's maybe even to another degree, but he's mm-hmm. done some great work with the pitchers. I mean, Elliot Zollner was someone who didn't see a lot of time last year, and he was very impressive in the fall. It seems like Hunter Parsons might have found something in the fall. What were your first impressions of Coach Muscara? Because my first impression okay. was, Wow and then ever since, it's been incredibly impressive to watch with what she, what he's done with all the arms.
2: Well, can I tell you what, it, my, really my first impression? Yes, was that's, we what, that's where we're here first. Okay, well, we were in Atlanta, okay, and Rob had his own room, and me and Moose were, you know, rooming together. I give him the bedroom, and I take the pull-out couch, okay? Okay. So I think I'm being a really nice guy by doing that. Okay, well, little did I know that, seven eight days into it when we're out in the lobby talking till 3 a.m i finally had to send, say something on day seven or eight to cory i know you're a little bit younger than me but i don't have the energy for this i can't get up <laughs> at 6 30 in the morning and go to an eight o'clock game when i'm up until three o'clock in the morning but that's just how he is so um that was that was actually my first impression with cory where we spent 14 days together in atlanta recruiting and and he just in a positive way, though, man. Just on the phone, you know, talking to coaches. You know, we're talking baseball till two or three o'clock in the morning every single night. So, um, the, the funny part was I stayed a couple extra days to watch some guys. But by the time he left there, uh, we all had lunch or dinner one night. His his hair was literally standing straight up. So I think it I think it finally caught up to to, to him as well. But um, we, we we hit it off really well. But that was funny because that's something you know the first couple weeks that you know somebody. I'll never forget that in, in Atlanta so that's for sure
0: now i i read that when coach vaughn got the job as head coach he was asked what's the what can i get you what's the what's the first thing you want and he said "Corey muscara now mm-hmm. i read that yep. and i said i would have asked for a new car uh what would you <laughs> have asked for if they asked you what's the first thing you want now that you're getting a promotion
2: well i, th- I think with that is like now it's your responsibility right so you know, his mind frame was, well, it's on me now. You know, I'm not just an assistant and this is how I want to run things. So, you know, I give him a lot of credit for saying that and just taking onus immediately. It's not about him. Um, it's about, you know, more, what are we going to do to make Maryland baseball better? And that's immediately what he was thinking about. So we had conversations about Corey. I knew, you know, what he was going to do with that. And that's kind of why I went out and started recruiting and kind of delayed, you know, my search so we can get him on board because I was already here. Mm -hmm. So, um, I give him a lot of credit for that, and and Corey's an interesting guy. I mean, I, I know I talked a little bit about Atlanta, but going out there every day, just seeing how he's done individuals and his talks with the pitchers, and and what he's willing to do outside the box. Um, I always tell people if someone doesn't have a hobby, it's probably dangerous. You know, everybody knows <laughs> me. I kind of I like the Redskins. I'm a homer for for a lot of sports. Tough teams one yesterday. Here, yeah, yeah, very tough. I, we're not going to talk about that right. on this podcast, but um, Corey <laughs> Mascara has no hobbies. So so if he has no hobbies, that means he's either doing baseball or he's interacting with his family. So when, when you talk about someone whose phone minutes or phone is just blowing up at all times, it's Corey Mascara. So um, he's really into what he does, man. He's one of the best I've ever seen, that's for sure.
0: Are there specific changes you've seen in Rob over the last few months since he's become the head coach?
2: Man, I can tell you, man, Rob's the best thing. He's one of the most poised, well-spoken, um guys i've ever seen he's he's well beyond his years i mean anybody that can officiate two weddings and just do it for fun i'm not sure if many people know that i did not know reverend. that we
0: need that story yes.
2: yes we uh we call him reverend vaughn as well i mean he's literally <laughs> officiated a few weddings um <laughs> he's an ordained guy so i mean i i think has just always been well beyond his ear. very well spoken he's he's a perfect blend meaning um you know, we'll do Bible study, or he does it with the guys, or we'll go to church on Sundays. But at the same time, when he needs to be tough with the guys out on the field and and blend in with that, he's perfect. So um, I can't say enough about him. Not only as a friend, as as a coach, as a person, he's he's just a a tremendous guy. But well beyond is well beyond his ears, and you know, just just always had that voice to him that 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 he just stands out. He's he's a very special person.
0: Okay, well I'm thinking now that. If and when my wedding day comes, I'm not going to need to to find someone to officiate it because I think no, he might you do won't. it for me. Yeah, yeah, I think he's.
2: I don't know if he's done one on the beach or whatever. I mean, he's, he's like you know anything you need, he can make it happen for sure. So <laughs> uh, I don't know if his I don't know if his fee will go up by then because it, if he gets more requests, but we'll see.
0: <laughs> that, that yeah, that's interesting. Um, on a more serious note, for a moment, last week um, something I think very special happened here and that was uh, a Billy Phillips through his first pitches mm-hmm. um, yep. as a Terrapin and as someone um, cancer has affected your life it's affected almost everyone's life. I don't think you can find somebody, someone anymore who it hasn't affected hasn't affected. Um, can you just discuss what Billy has overcome in his, in his year or so here and how special it was for you to see him throw off that mound the other day?
2: Yeah, so I, I'll try not to get upset right now just <laughs> because it it's it, Yeah, it does mean a lot to me and having my sister who passed away cancer and, um, you know, what we've been kind of doing with Mason and Billy. I mean, we've seen Billy from the recruiting process to be like a serious dude, like and how good he was at high school to seeing him in probably some of the darkest times. So you always try to reflect on that and keep perspective. Um, But there's been many times where, you know, I've either come in in the locker room and maybe he wasn't feeling well and taking a nap or something like that or he was sick you know, he never quit, you know, he never quit. He he came to school. He always kept a positive attitude. He's had some setbacks with some administrative stuff of, of, of getting him eligible again um, or, or being able to practice with the team. And you never, ever, ever hear him complain, never hear a bad word, nothing. Um, so he is just the, just, a, you know, embodies everything that we want here at Maryland baseball and just persevere through so much and, You know, it's just every day that, you know, I come to work, if you're feeling bad or whatever it may be, you just look at that guy out there and it just it gives you enough perspective to say, you know, how lucky we are, you know, to be coaching and playing this game. And, you know, he's just looking to get out there and be with the guys and pitch and be a part of something. So couldn't be more proud of him. And I'm sure his mom and family are as well. So um, it means a lot to us as a team and as a staff and and hopefully the Maryland community because he's a great story.
0: You mentioned Mason. Can you tell everyone listening who he is, how you got connected with him, and and his influence on the team so far?
2: Yeah, yeah. So going all the way back, you know, before even Billy got here, it was always our, our goal to do a lot with cancer, especially
0: kids versus cancer. So
2: the first couple of years, we did a program with with um, uh, the the company called Kids versus Cancer, and the guy who started that was actually a North Carolina baseball player that came down with cancer. But we did a we did something with them for a couple of years, but we didn't necessarily have um, a, a kid or somebody that we adopted. So we've done two other programs as well. We we adopted a few years ago a kid named Ty um, who was battling cancer as well. Um, and then we've kind of got with Team Impact we've linked up with Mason. So we've had a long history of working with Kids versus Cancer, adopting guys. And I think the biggest thing is is like we all get busy. You know, you're, we're, we're taking classes, we're going to work, we're 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 so focused and one track minded all the time. But getting the guys and, and people outside of themselves sometimes and, and just spending spending a couple hours with Mason. If that doesn't give you perspective, I don't really know what will. So um, I think we, we've been with Mason for the past couple of years. He's going through getting ready to go through a bone marrow transplant. Um, so it was just great to have him around the team and have those guys embrace him and hopefully something we sent him a package or maybe some of the people saw on social media where he kind of decked out his whole room in Maryland stuff. If that can, you know, take his, mind off the cancer just a little bit or, or allow him to
0: smile, then, you know,
2: then we're doing our job. So our prayers are with him and his family and obviously everybody that, that's affected by cancer.
0: So. Now uh, you've taken a lot of time out of your day. I really appreciate it for this. I'm just going to get you out of here on two sure. more, two more things. Um, okay. We have the schedule is out now. Uh, mm-hmm. What are your impressions of that uh, this year? Um, you start off in Tennessee and mm-hmm. I think a lot of people would say that is, for lack of a better term, more doable than at LSU at the beginning of the year last year. At least to yeah. me, it seems like a, a good schedule, um, but a manageable schedule. What do you guys think? Yeah.
2: Well, I think it's always so hard, man. Because to be honest with you, like I'm working with Coach Jeff and with Rob right now. I mean, we're we're literally already working on twenty and twenty-one. So sometimes we're working on the schedule so far out when it actually comes, you don't <laughs> even know what it's going to be like, you know, I mean, you're just, you're trying to, you're trying to put the best schedule you can RPI wise. Cause I think we've always prided ourselves on, Hey, we, we want to be considered, you know, at the end of the year to be a good seed in the tournament and be able to compete. We're not necessarily worried about, Hey, hey are we going to win this series, you know, at the beginning or what can we do? I think we always kind of prepare our teams to play the best schedule and, you know, come out of the gate playing tough teams. So, I think um, the Big Ten's gotten a little bit better RPI-wise, but it's still our responsibility to schedule a tough out-of-conference schedule to make sure that RPI puts us in a uh, position at the end of the year. So specifically for this year, I mean, open it up at something like Tennessee, Rob knows their coach real well. And, um, you know, I I think any time you open up with an SEC school, it kind of lets people know that, hey, you're willing to play anybody. Um, and willing to do anything, and I think that's always the reputation we've had as a school, and we don't duck anybody, and we'll con- we'll continue to do that. So um, it's very interesting too with the Big Ten a little bit, and we're still trying to figure that out how we're going back to some of maybe the toughest places, back to back years that we did you know this past year as well. So that's that makes it a little tough and 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 challenging, you know, not only travel wise, but you know, going back to some of maybe the best places in conference, you know, playing them again back to back years, but. Overall, I think it'll be a good schedule and a good test for our guys. So, yeah. I'm excited about
0: it. And it should be fun that first weekend down in Knoxville. will be two first-year head coaches going at it to uh, start the yeah. season. Now, final question, a little bit lighter. Of the coaches on the staff right now, who had the best baseball career?
2: Who had the best baseball career?
0: And it's interesting. I mean, you uh, put up maybe the best collegiate stats. And, and I mean, we can – run through these right now. I have it written down because, well, why wouldn't I? It was very impressive. Uh, You hit (laughs) over 300 in four years here. You hit almost, it was 330. You hit nearly double-digit home runs. You had over 130 RBIs, Uh, but the record maybe wasn't there. Anthony Papio put up good numbers and the record was there. Brandon Irby's on the staff now and he didn't play college ball because he got drafted out of high school. So that yep. you know, there are a lot of factors that go into it. So, 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 what's your well, answer here? I think,
2: I my my bio co- I mean, uh, Smythe actually said, "Winningest coach and player." So, I think what is that that he gave me the edge with that because I really didn't think about that. You know, because Papio had it; he's the winningest player. But technically, if I played and I coach, that should account for something.
0: Yes, so, that's true. Um,
2: I don't know, man. Like. Uh, you know, we're all we're all has beens now. and we joke about it, sometimes where, you know, Moose will probably be the first one to admit that you know, hey, I didn't have the best career, but that's why I'm coaching now. So I actually coached Irby um, when he was in high school, right before he got drafted. And when I talk about seeing electric stuff, um, he had it. So I don't know. He may have to get the edge because if he went to college, I think he was signed with Clemson out of high school. I think he he would have been he would have been pretty good. But uh, I think more now we use it to just kind of give each other a hard time about everything, but we all admit that we're has been.
0: Yeah, it was, it was a it was a fun story, actually, that Coach Irby told me a few weeks ago about how you were the one that got him linked up back on the staff this year.
2: Yeah, and well, it's like, you know, it's, it's funny how baseball just comes back around. I hadn't talked to someone in maybe
0: 15 years, literally hadn't talked to him in 14,
2: 15 years, and, you know, he just, you know, randomly reached out and told me how he was coming back to school, which is impressive in itself. I'd probably say over 95% of, uh, baseball players that get signed at a high school, don't go back to college. And for someone that had a career almost, uh, I think was probably around 10 or 11 years of pro ball. And then to come back as an engineering major is is with two kids is kudos to him. So um, yeah, he's just been great, man. Just, just a presence for the guys, a different presence for us to have him around. And I think it's going to be really big to have him travel with us this year and help coach the bullpen because a lot of times in college baseball with the walkie talkies and just communication, you want to get someone warmed up really fast and, they could be two or three pitches away of being really warmed up and maybe they come in the game because they're just ready to compete. Um, so I think he'll give us a huge advantage um, having him around traveling and working with the guys in the bullpen.
0: All right, Coach. Well, thank you so much for spending this much time with us, and uh, yeah. I wish you a very happy Thanksgiving, and hopefully the, the, uh, the Redskins can give you a better result on Thursday.
2: Yeah, I agree. Well, I appreciate all you guys do for us. We really appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Bro. All right.
0: Well, that pretty much wraps up episode 43 of the Maryland Baseball Network podcast. Special thanks to Rob Vaughn and Matt Swope for sharing all their stories and their time to talk about their new positions as head coach and hitting coach here at Maryland. Follow us on Twitter as always for updates at MDBaseballNet. Check us out on Facebook at facebook.com/mdbaseballnet. Look at our website, MarylandBaseballNetwork.com. We should have some good recruiting pieces coming out pretty soon. If you like what you hear on this podcast, subscribe by searching Maryland Baseball Network in the iTunes store. We'll continue to have monthly podcasts in the off season, and once again every single week once the season gets started. The schedule is out and we will be in Knoxville, Tennessee uh, on February 16th to get things going for the 2018 campaign. Special note to all of you, the listeners, we wish you a very happy Thanksgiving. We here at the Maryland Baseball Network have a ton to be thankful for, and you, the listeners, are what we are thankful for more than anything. So once again... Thanks so much for listening to this podcast, and have a great time this week on Thanksgiving. Make sure you eat enough food so that you can sleep Friday, Saturday, and Sunday and recharge the batteries until the holiday season and the new year. So for everyone here at the Maryland Baseball Network, I'm Justin Galanti. Have a great Thanksgiving.